Welcome to The Movement with your host, Shannon D. Hughes. In your life, do you celebrate the downfalls along with the peaks? You should. These define you as the person you are and help you learn your way to personal success. Now, here is the host of The Movement, Shannon D. Hughes. 20 days left in 2018, and if you haven't accomplished anything by now, hopefully after I introduce you to my next guest, it will get you motivated to going into 2019, but you can always start today. I am your host, Shannon D. Hughes, and you are now a part of the movement. We can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers channel, typically live on Wednesdays. Our phone number is 866-472-5795. If you have any questions for my guests, who I'll bring in in a second. Internationally, 001-480-398-1405. 001-480-398-1405. If you do not want to speak to us and you have a question or comment for the show, email the show, Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. That's Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes, the movement.com. I am so eagerly ready to talk to this woman. Um, she is, this is, she has a kind heart. She is a, a hardworking woman and during this holiday season, these are the type of people that we, we need to hear about. She is the most preeminent residential real estate broker in Las Vegas. She has had over hundred million sales currently one of the top 3% real estate brokers in Las Vegas. She was honored as top producer in 2014, and she just won an award. It was yesterday. I'm going to let her elaborate on that in a little bit. And then at the age of 22, she began to invest on her own, purchased homes, and did some commercial, and did all of that in one year. And she has just evolved into one of the most powerful people in business, but also one of the kindest and gentle people I've ever met as well. And I'm actually going to peel that curtain back a little bit when I bring her in. Mashid, welcome to the movement. How are you? Aw, what an introduction. That's so sweet. <laughs> I'm well, good. I was I'm talking good. about Thank you. I, I was talking How are about you? you. Thank you for having me. I was me. talking about you. I was talking about you, so you should recognize everything that I said. So um so let me uh, huh. pull it back a little. Can you believe that it's almost it's going on almost two years since we met? Uh I I went to Las Vegas in 2017, just to give people a backstory, and uh, a mutual friend of ours, Scott Dumoulin, who was on the show back in June, um, we met there at a at a networking event and and a, and a boot camp, and we uh, we got to meet very briefly, and um, we you know, Machine and I, a friendship kind of continued. I wanted her to be on the show, but back in June, some people may have tuned into the show or may not have heard that we tried to connect, but I was traveling and the connection was really, really bad and, and I had to reschedule her. And now here we are. She's my next to the last person at the end of the year. So I'm so glad that you're going to kind of help close out the year with me uh, today. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me about, tell me and the Movement Nation about yourself, about where you grew up and what your childhood was like. Okay, so I'll tell you a little bit. Um, well, I was actually born in the South. I was born in Baton Rouge. Um, okay. My parents had come from Iran, like, during the revolution time, around 1979. Um, and then a few years later, I was born in Baton Rouge, where my dad got his master's at LSU. And then they moved to California, the Bay Area. So I was basically raised um, in San Jose, Los Gatos area. Um, grew up there. And then around, I went to San Jose State. And then around 21 years old, when I graduated, I moved to Vegas. 
and then basically started and I think that's what really started my life in business was as soon as I moved to Vegas when I was around 21. Then I started wow. working uh, with my dad's business at that time. Okay. What was it? Was, was Did you have a close relationship with your parents and did you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have an older brother. Yeah, you know, we're all really close and we've always been really close. But like growing up, it was also really difficult and annoying because my parents would fight all the time and eventually, thankfully, they divorced when I was like 11. So it was never like, growing up was just always annoying, basically. <laughs> um, their energy annoyed me. Yeah, I mean, we're all really close. We love each other. But, like, they didn't know better. You know, they came from a different country, and they had to learn everything in the new country and learn how to build. So it's like, they were always kind of stressed out. Um, and, you know, the divorce is always tough on a child. And I had a lot of my own insecurity issues growing up, like, in school and stuff. I funny I like hung out with like my two best friends were like the popular girls but yet I was somebody who got made fun of all the time like especially uh-huh. in middle school it was like constant bullying and being made fun of um so it's like my childhood it's like there were happy moments but majority of the time I could remember just not feeling good not feeling 100% happy ever because I'd go to school right. and get made fun of I'd come home and it'd be annoying like energy you know so I was never really happy but I would never, I was never mean. Like, I was never mean back to anybody who bullied me or made fun of me. I was never angry with my parents. I just felt everything and kind of was um, taking it all in and paying attention and just being aware of everything that's going on, but never really did anything about it, if that makes sense. I kind of. It does make it does I had always thought in my mind, one day it'll all change. One day it'll all change. Meanwhile, <laughs> I was always unhappy growing up. <laughs> right. Weird. But, you know, but, yeah. it's interesting with the bullying because obviously, and I don't know how much you pay attention to the bullying now is just at a different level. I mean, be, because you have social media and, and all the things now, because now they do stuff where people are, kids are hazing other kids. Like, I've never heard anything like this now. The bullying back then, even though at for our ages, it was probably not as, it was tough for us because that was our time. It just seems to be uh, at a different level. Now, when you were bullied as a kid, let me ask you, did you internalize it? Did you have a friend to talk to you? Did you go to mom or dad, your brother? How did you deal with that when you were a kid? Um, yeah, luckily, I I came home to like a family as as much as annoying as their energies were. Obviously, there was a lot of love. Like my parents loved their kids more than anything. So I would talk. Um, I would talk to my dad about it. And my older brother, he would always be like, "Hoo!" And he would go talk to them or scare them. You know, depending if it was a guy or a girl. Because I was like this Persian girl, and you know, I was I wasn't around there and many people that looked like me. So I was getting made fun of. But yeah, thankfully, my dad would keep telling me, like I would tell him how they would make fun of me and he would always tell me, no, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Like he would always try to get my confidence up, you know, it wouldn't really work because I'd still go to school and be shy and embarrassed and scared of everything. So I was just being made fun of, but still they made me feel better at home and it felt good to have my brother protect me. You know, they're very protective, but it's not even, it's not, bullying doesn't just go on in school, like. People are unkind even as adults, you know, like so many people gossip and make fun of people and put others down. And I just see no point in it at all, at all. And it's something I don't like to be a part of. And 
ever. Even even with mean people, like there's always something good in somebody. And I feel like people who are the ones that are being mean or being unkind and making fun of people, they're the ones that really need to do the self-work. They have internal issues, you know? Mm-hmm. So those... Yeah, those people really need to just work on themselves. They have a lot of issues. But I never, ever have ever been unkind or bullied back at all. I just always kept the faith that one day it's all going to change. So I'm very much anti being mean to people because it's really not going to get you to where you want to be in life ever. Could not have said any better. Mashid is my guest here on The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, did it, did the bullying at all affect your schoolwork or anything? Did you just buckle down more? What did that, was that part easy or how did you deal with that as far as your performance in school and did it prohibit you from doing any other activities? Oh my God. Good question. Um, my schoolwork was fine. Thankfully, I don't know how I think I just focused on that, but I would be too Mm -hmm. embarrassed to like try out, like I want to try out to be a cheerleader. I was too embarrassed to do that because I would be made fun of. I was too insecure. I, you know, I tried out one time for basketball and I almost made it and I didn't, but I could have gone again. But then I, after that is when I was getting made fun of a lot. So it made me really insecure. I remember my public speaking class, I had to go up in front of the, um, in front of the class to give speeches. And that specific class was the one guy that made fun of me more than anybody every single day. So I would dying. Like I was constantly just scared and nervous. So yeah, it definitely held me back. And I can say I was honestly insecure for so many years to come in high school up until college. And not only did I get made fun of, I ended up getting acne. And it's like, I just never felt good within myself ever. But I always prayed and hoped and knew one day I would, you know, and I feel like when I graduated college and after yeah, after around 21 is when I started to slowly start feeling good and changing. Um, there you go. But yeah, it did hold me back. But the insecurities were always there for a really long time. But something I really had to work on for a long time because I had to always prove that, you know, no, I am beautiful. No, I am beautiful. Cause for so long, I would get made fun of that I'm not. And, you know, you would think you're really not. Right. And it happens all the time. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of t- when people deal with that type of um, harassment, let's just call it what it is, people will tend yeah. to, and I, I don't think that you did, but I'll let you uh, answer that for me. A lot of people will, will yeah. do things that maybe do harm unto themselves. Maybe they'll start eating. Maybe they'll start doing things that may be, um, you know, not good for them. Did you ever, did, did that ever happen to you or did you ever contemplate, I don't know what, I don't know how much more of this bullying I could take. Um, did you ever go through that period? No, honestly, no. I, I mean, I would cry a lot. I would cry all the time. And I don't know, I would, I would, for some reason, somehow not be able to zone out and go into my own world at home or, you know, I had friends to play with. It was just at school, certain periods in classes or in classes that, you know, I was miserable. But no, I never went to that extent. And again, I think it's because somehow, for some reason, Deep inside me, I just always knew it would change one day. It's just mm-hmm. something that was always inside me. I, I don't know if you want to call it faith or what. I just knew to stay strong and keep the faith, and one day it's going to change. That, and that's what kept me going somehow. 
And I, trust me, I went through a long time of it, like mm-hmm. to be, of being miserable and unhappy within myself. I went through hell. But no, I never contemplated any of that. I didn't get any kind of issues other than being held back from things that I should do more of, you know, like right. being involved with more social activities at school, um, being like, you know, being more with friends and going out um, uh-huh. with friends and being just being more involved. I wasn't as right. involved. I wanted to stay more away and hidden. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I know yeah. it sounds like you didn't, you didn't do a lot of social activity. Was, were there, just a two part question. Did anybody, yeah. be, did you befriend anybody, maybe uh, a confidant uh, uh, when you were young? And did, did, did you see or did you know anybody else that you were growing up that were kind of going through the same bullying and things that you were going through? Um, yeah, I did be friends because I, I remember like people that I thought were my friends, they would laugh when I was getting made fun of and that hurt so much at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see too many others. I felt like it was like... It kind of felt like it was me alone, but there was no, actually, yeah, there was some other people. Um, I don't know. For some reason, it just always felt like it was mostly me, you know, mostly me. And um, I feel like the other people that did get me in front of, they were kind of more confident than I was still. They would brush it off and still, you know, keep their light shining. But I was not shining my light at all. I would really want to just be hidden in a way. Um, I, I would you. only be with my one with my two friends that I had, mm-hmm. and they're still my friends, actually. Ah, uh, that but, was my next question. Okay, good. Yeah, um, those two girls are still my friends. <laughs> now, were these friends from grade school? Or were these friends from high school? Grade school, fifth grade, grade school. and then the bullying okay, wow. I think really started in sixth grade. So sixth, ah. seventh, eighth was the worst. Ninth, tenth, it was it was slowly getting better. And by junior, senior, I think it kind of stopped. It would happen here and there, but not that often anymore. Okay. But we got a few minutes. stuck with me, you know? I, I believe it. Okay, we got a few minutes before yeah. the break. Let's, let's talk about high school for a minute. All right, so you're a little older now. Um, was it the same same song, different place? Or did it, you said it sounded like it kind of subsided a little bit. Was, was there some of the same harassment that you dealt with or... Talk to me about high school. What was that like? It was definitely a lot less than middle school. Thankfully, the guy that created it, <laughs> that that started it all, he didn't come. I think he only was in our high school like one year, maybe ninth grade, and he didn't come. Um, and then my brother was a senior when I was in ninth grade, so he kind of put a stop to it. Like anybody that would nice. start it, I would tell him, and he would um, pretty much scare them off. Um, so it got pretty, yeah, so it got a lot better and I was trying my best to feel better within myself too. So it slowly, slowly got a lot better in high school. Yeah. But I was still insanely shy and scared and insecure 100%. But I was working on it. I was working on trying to be better. Um, so it was definitely a lot better than middle school, but still not as great. I still wasn't shining my light at all. (laughs) Did you, when now that you were in high school, you said it was a little better. Did it, did you try to get into any extracurricular activities or were you kind of still kind of, you know, not there yet? Were you still just kind of just going about your business and not really want to do any extracurricular activities in high school? Correct. Yep. Not doing any. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I wouldn't try out for anything or try to get involved in anything. No, I was still really, I was, I mean, I was focused on my grades and stuff, but just trying to figure out how to make myself happy was, you know, I was still too scared and insecure. Um, and it was difficult. Like I'd come home, even though like my parents loved me more than anything, when they were divorced, especially in high school, there was just so many things that I would go through at home. It's like they were never fully 100% happy, like with their situation. So right. their energy, I feel like always like kept me back too, wow. which it shouldn't have, but it did. So it sounded like you were kind of pulling, getting pulled from both ends. You'd go to school, you'd deal with, you know, all the, the your classmates and dealing with, you know, all of that nonsense. Then you come home and mom and dad are kind of at each other. That How tough was that for you? Yeah. Well, they were divorced by then because they divorced when I was 11. But it's like there was just okay. always issues. Like mom was always stressed out about money because she wasn't, you know, even though she was making it, but her energy was naturally, I don't know if she was like this from childhood, just always stressed out about money. And then always, you know, that they bicker, they talk bad about each other all the time. So it's like, I had to feel guilty if I was doing something with one of them and not the other or something. It was just always feelings that I, I didn't like, you know, and with my mom stressing all the time about money, it made me feel like I can't even ask her. And then my dad stressing all the time too with his business or not stressing. Like sometimes he wouldn't be and sometimes he'd be good. But it was always up and down, up and down. So, like, at 15, I'm like, I need to get a job because I just couldn't handle. Um, I couldn't handle their stress and worries about money all the time. And I didn't right. want to ask them for stuff because I just felt guilty. Like, I would be making them stress even more. Um, so, yeah, that's when I got a job at 15. And I've been oh. working ever since, basically. I, and <laughs> nobody works as hard as you. I know that for a fact. All right, Mashid, <laughs> we are you. up against the break. But when we come back, I want to talk about that job you just talked about, coming out of high school, going into college. And then I want you to kind of talk to the audience about you becoming a uh, very successful entrepreneur that you are right now. 866-472-5795 is the toll-free number. We will be right back with my guest, Mashid, here on The Movement right after this. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at SDHughesEnterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com il. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. 
Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795, or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to shannon at shannondehughes-themovement.com. That's shannon at shannondehughes-themovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments for the show, 866-472-5795 is the number. Email address is Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes. That's the movement.com. That's Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes. That's the movement.com. Somebody emailed me from Luxembourg, Germany, said, Shannon, you don't give the international number enough, so let me do so right now. 001-480-398-1405. But if I give the number, it's all right to call in with a question or comment. I would love for you to do that. Again, 20 days left in 2018. I hope you all are making movements as my guest Mashid is doing right now as well. So let's get right back in it, my friend. Um, so I want to talk about, you talked about briefly right before the break that you got a job at 15 and because you didn't want to kind of be a burden on your parents. So let's talk about that for a second. Tell me about your first job experience and what that was like. And did you kind of gain any type of, I don't know, I don't know if independence is the word I want to say, but what was that like when you're going out, just going out and getting your first job and just kind of, because that was almost like an extracurricular activity for you. You were out doing something other than your schoolwork and now you're putting money in your pocket. So talk about that for a second. I, it was actually, I got a job at Wet Steel, which is like, I think, I believe the clothing store exists now too, but it was a mm-hmm. really popular clothing store at the time at, inside the mall. Um, and I actually lied. I said I was 16 because they don't hire below 16 and it worked, um, but I was 15. Uh, <laughs> but I was super excited just because I love wearing their clothes too. So I was beyond excited and thrilled. And it was only like four hours a day, I think like on weekends or something, maybe a few days a week, but... I loved every minute of it, actually, because it was just, if yeah, it felt like I was a whole new person, and, like, I got to be in charge or help people and use the cash register, which, for some reason, I always thought was so fun to do as a kid. Um, so, I loved it, and I loved the little checks that I got. I definitely felt 
a little bit more independent. Like I didn't have to bother my parents because uh-huh. I just don't didn't like to hear the word no. I couldn't handle hearing the word no from them anymore, you know? Right. Um, and I didn't, I just didn't want, yeah, I don't like to see people stressed and unhappy. So this was a way to make myself happy and not bother anybody else, you know? So I liked it. I loved it. Would you say that that was, and I could be wrong, and if, if it's not, tell me what it is. Was that like your shift? Was that like mashy, like turn it, not, I won't say turn in the corner, but just kind of, you know, you, you said you weren't shining your light. Maybe this is when you were turning your light on and starting down that path. Because it wasn't, the, but what, not that many years later where you were kind of working for yourself. So was that, would you say that job was kind of the, uh, the ignition to kind of get you going in that general direction? Um, kind of a little bit, a little bit it started. Yeah. But, um, I also like, I started getting acne around like 13, 14 and Uh that also would hold me back too. So it's like, I was trying to be confident, but then this acne would show up on my skin and would just ruin Uh things for me. And, you know, I, for me, you know, and I think for a lot of people too, you want to look good and feel good and your physical Mm -hmm. appearance, you know, makes a difference with everything else that you do, or at least for me it did. So still the acne was kind of still holding me back, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But once that went away, which was close to 22, and that's because Mm -hmm. I finally took Accutane because nothing else worked for 10 years. But once I took Accutane and my skin cleared up and I could finally see my face and it was glowing and shining. That was the beginning. <laughs> uh, when I there started you go. Went, like feeling good. Oh yeah, that. So, but the, I, the I, job was slowly. Yeah, that helped slowly. I, I I'm willing to bet you smiled a whole lot more as well, didn't you? Oh my god, I was in heaven. Oh my god, I was in heaven. <laughs> I didn't mean to put makeup on my skin. I could finally sleep over, like have sleepovers with friends. I was not embarrassed. Right. I can move my hair out of my face. Like, I felt mm-hmm. so much more free, you know, because I had that for 10 years. And people would make fun of me on top of that for other stuff. So I was telling mm-hmm. you, I never felt beautiful ever because the making fun of also had to do with my looks, you know. And then, yeah. So for 10 years, I was just praying, praying, praying. And one day, you know, it just all felt so much better, like free, like the light is finally shining a little bit, you know. I love it. It might not sound a big deal to some people. I don't know who's experienced acne, but it really Mm. sucks to be honest. It It, sucks so bad. Of course. Of course. It's 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 a it's a big deal. And you can see see the stuff you can see the stuff even now, the stuff they put on TV is how to fight that acne. That is not a laughing matter. There's just people that have severe cases of it and can't get rid of it at all. It's just so you are not I I guarantee you there are people listening that can relate to this story. Trust me on that. Eight six six four seven two five 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 seven nine five. Let's spin it forward. Especially when your friends are like beautiful and have clear skin. You look at them and you go, God, I wish I had that. I wish I had that and they're the ones getting all the guys and them their dating right. life. You you know you crush on people and they never like you back. So it was right. really really tough. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I believe you. Let's spin it forward. Yeah. So you graduate from high school. You go to college. Yeah. Tell me what tell me what college life was like. Was it more the same? Was it was it was it a culture shock? Was it a mm-hmm. little of both? Talk talk to me about that. Um. 
So I went to San Jose State, so I was still living with my mom in San Jose um, and her husband. But um, thank God, like, the kids that I had in my high school are the ones that would make fun of me, the ones that knew about, like, my history of being made fun of. Most most of them were not at San Jose State. So it felt like a whole new world. Like, all these people had no idea who I was. They had no idea my background. They didn't know that I got made fun of before. So I felt definitely felt a lot more secure, you know? But um, I was still in the same city that I lived in, so it was kind of, like, not that exciting. So I was just in a rush to want to graduate because I wanted to leave. And at the time, my parents would not let me move away. But they said after college, once I graduate, they would let me move away. So they were pretty strict, you know? So I double majored in um, business marketing and management. And I was just basically taking classes summer, winter, all year long, I was taking classes so I could graduate as soon as I could because I just wanted to leave the city and experience life like somewhere new. Um, But I felt a lot better in college, but then that's when I got major anxiety. So (laughs) that's when my anxiety started, which was horrible. I think it was the worst anxiety I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, I didn't even know it was anxiety when it started. I thought I was having heart attacks. I thought I had cancer. I thought I was dying. It was so college was good beyond, but the anxiety was holding me back. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that. Did it just, did you, did you experience it your first year? Was it a couple of years in and what, what did it just come and go? Talk about that um, experience. Um, it was definitely from the beginning uh, of college, from what I remember. Um, it was bad. I I remember like being in class, and suddenly my heart would beat so fast. I would I thought like I would have a heart attack, and I would just have to leave class and run out. And I would call my dad because I didn't know what to do. I would freak out. Um, I it would happen constantly. And also, like as a child, like I wasn't even aware. Like I would be drinking so much coffee. And all that caffeine triggers somebody who has anxiety way worse. So it's like right. I get the jitters from cough, from caffeine and then mm-hmm. have anxiety and not know what the heck is going on, you know. Now that I'm much more aware and older, I understand. But at that time, it was, it was horrible. I remember one time my mom and my grandparents and my brother, like family, they were all going on a cruise. And I was suffering so bad. I thought, like, I, I thought something's wrong with me. And I wouldn't even leave the house. I wouldn't leave the couch. Um, mm. So they went on a cruise without me. And I stayed away from the cruise because I had this anxiety. I thought, like, oh. I was sick. I really thought I had, like, cancer or something. So mm. I was missing out on life again. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever go <laughs> to a doctor to see if there was an issue with you? Oh, my God. Yes. I know. I'm so many times. I went to every mm. single kind of doctor. I mm. went to, um, I would call 911 a few times because I thought I was like, I'm having a heart attack. Um, I went to all types of different doctors, like for like your stomach, gas, this, that. They sent me to a therapist. Then finally one doctor actually said, let me check your thyroid. So I also had a thyroid issue, too, which I didn't know, and that was causing the anxiety. I, I forgot to say I was fainting a couple times, too. But wow. I had developed a thyroid issue. So once that was in check, it got a little better. But to be honest, the anxiety lasted probably till my mate, mid-late 20s. It lasted a long time. But the extreme mm. of it was in college. 
And I feel like a lot of kids go through that. Like you don't know, like you're learning and growing and confused and, you know, you start to worry or panic. I don't know. I think a lot of fear, you think your fears cause that anxiety. And I just had so many fears about so many things at that time. Wow. Wow. 866-472-5795 is the number for my guest, Masheed, who is who has been through a lot, as you all can tell. And the name of this episode is The Heart of Masheed, because you can tell she's been through a lot, but she her heart is what got her through it, which is why I have so much respect for her. So let's come forward a little bit. So you come out of college. And I said in your opening read that at 22, you start to invest on your own and purchase homes and things of that nature. Now, I'm also an investor here in Chicago as well. So tell me what prompted you to do that. Did, was there was it just the job? Was it was it just coming out of college, not knowing what to do? What made you go that direction? Um, so let me also like say, let me talk a little bit, too. Uh, okay. When, I moved, so after college, I moved away and moved to Vegas because my dad and my brother had already moved there. And my mm-hmm. dad, as a child growing up, he always had used car dealerships. Then when he couldn't work, do it anymore in San Jose, he went to Vegas to open up the used car dealership and start um, building over there. So my first instinct when I graduated college was to go work with them because I did not want to work for a company, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention my first job, I got fired eventually. <laughs> I got oh. fired from, yeah, I got fired from a, a few jobs until in college I became an independent contact, contractor for Christian okay. Dior fragrances. And okay. I actually had to resign with, from that one after four years because I, what it meant to be an independent contractor, I worked for that fragrance line, but nobody was there watching me. Nobody was there telling me what to do, basically. Right. I would be, yeah, because I work for the line itself and I would work inside Macy's and Nordstrom, but I had no boss. So all that mattered was that I had sales and I, and as long as you have your sales, that's all that matters. And I did incredible. So what I learned too during that time is I can't work for people. People telling me what to do never worked out because I did, I wanted to do what I wanted to do basically. So that was the only job I never got paid from. And that is why I chose to work, um, to move to Vegas, to work with my dad and my brother after college um, because I didn't want to work for another company. It was just easier working with a family business or so right. I thought it was easier. Okay. Um, so go there. How did that, yeah. how did that go? Yeah. So, um, I, my, and my dad was paying me great. They were doing so great at the time. This is, I would say in like 2003 when I moved, uh, business was good. And I barely understood anything about business at mm-hmm. all. I was just focused on getting a check and going out and, you know, enjoying Vegas partying. I was finally free. I finally had freedom to do what I wanted to do. My, you know, for 21 years, my dad was super strict. And also I was insecure and never felt beautiful. But after that and moving to Vegas, I finally felt free. So I would get my money and just focus on partying and shopping and all that stuff. I wasn't really focused on learning my dad's business or anything or becoming a businesswoman. Nothing like that was in my mind. And they kind of actually, at the time, my brother and my dad, they were a lot wiser, obviously. They um, were making good money, and they're like, let's buy properties and flip them. So they Mm -hmm. started doing that. And then they kind of told me, why don't you get your real estate license? Because the market in Vegas at the time was good. He's like, so we can also, like, keep the commissions, you know, and we can buy 
through a family, not through realtors, if we're going to keep doing this. So that's how I kind of fell into it around 2005, 2006. Okay. And I got my license. But right before that, what happened is, I also didn't mention, my dad was also always a bookie. So he would have his car ah. business, but he was a big gambler on the side. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my dad around that time, 2003, 2004, 2005, even though their money was coming in and everyone was making money and it was doing good, he wasn't the wisest as far as knowing how to invest money and grow that money and grow your wealth. He never really learned how to do that. Um, and he was a big gambler. He loved to gamble. Not only was he a bookie still with football at the time, he would go to the casinos and gamble like all night long. There were times mm. when I would do the accounting for the business. Like he would take $30,000 at a time and go to the casinos and gamble. And then he wasn't taking care of his health. He never did. Mm. He never, he's not a somebody that would go work out. So he ended up having a heart attack during that time also. Oh. Um, so basically their business was all coming to shit. Excuse my language. It was no, all coming okay. down. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and to backtrack at that time in 2003, that's how I bought my first house. It was zero down because financing then was easy. Zero down. All I needed was the money to make payments, which I was making. So it, was, it made it easy to buy a house. And when I bought okay. a house, it went up in value right away. So I took that oh. money and bought a second house. All right. I want you to hold and right then, there for a second. Well, hold right there for a okay, second. We're about 10 seconds away from the yeah. break. 866-472-579. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. 5795. We're going to take the final break from the show. I'm going to let her finish this story and tell her the rest of the things that she's doing in her life. We'll be right back with my guest, Masheed, here on The Movement right after this. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com slash IL. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. That's Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. Imagine being born in Port-au-Prince and having your mom and dad leave you for the United States and you having to stay and take care of your relatives. Then come to the United States, have to learn the language and learn to adapt to being here in the United States. Become a successful investor, lose everything, and then gain it all back. How did she do it? Join me next week on my final episode of The Movement for 2018 when my guest Sandy Cesar will talk about growing up in Port-au-Prince, starting her new life for herself, losing everything in real estate, and how she got it all back. That's next week on The Final Movement of 2018. Please tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific here on Voice America's Influencers Channel. You can hear this episode, which will be available in a little while, and all my past episodes available on demand on Stitcher and on iTunes. And now the worst part of the show is always the last segment with my guest. Mashid has been really <laughs> giving us all being very transparent, which I really appreciate her for. So let's let's bring this forward a little bit. So now you did your first property, did everything despite working for the family and dad and the gambling and things of that nature. After you did that first property flip and you said, I don't want to work for anybody else. Was that like, okay, now I can take off and run. Tell me how, what ensued after that? Well, okay. So after I bought the first property, I lived in it for like a year or two and then it went up in value and I'm like, Oh my God, I should buy a second property. Okay. Hmm. So I got a second property. Um, and rented the other one out. And then I had extra cash because, like, I, the, between both the properties, there was, like, extra cash. So my brother told me about a land deal. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll put 50000 in the land deal. And I'll grow my money more. But keep in mind, I know nothing. I would sign documents and not read them. Like, all these, um, all the loans I was getting for the homes, I would sign and not read them. The land mm-hmm. documents, I would sign and not read them. I just, I was just, be, I had no idea like what anything like what it meant to how how do I say it like the meaning behind how you actually make money and grow money I didn't even understand all that like it was coming to me kind of easily because of my dad really but then Mm -hmm. after all that I so I had all those I had the two homes and then a piece of land and that's when my dad started getting sick and the gambling was getting out of hand and that's when I was starting to get my real estate license so basically, my dad's business is all going down to shit, okay? So then I got my real estate license in 2006, and I'm basically starting over um, on my own because my dad, who I counted on most of my life for financial stuff, mostly for the most part for, like, big things, he was basically sick and gambling and had so many of his own issues to deal with, and that his business closing down Right before his business closed down, my dad had to, my dad had taken so much money out of the account and gambled it all away. There were, how do I explain it? Long story. It's a really long story. I'm going to try to make it a long story short. (laughs) There were about 17 people who had purchased cars. My dad had to make sure that 
the, their, the banks that finance these cars for these owners had the title. My dad mm. had no more money left to go purchase those titles that he had to purchase mm-hmm. from the auctions and stuff. He asked, had me go and purchase the titles from the auction. He had me mm-hmm. write 17 checks and mm-hmm. sign them because I was a signer. Knowing that there was no money in the account and these checks were bound, but he needed the title. Ooh. So he had me do mm. this. He got the titles and sent them out to the banks and the banks that finance these owners. Then suddenly, long story short, there's two huge lawsuits against me, my brother, and my dad because of these bounce checks. Mm. And again, long story short, I ended up having liens on all my properties and obviously the mm. land. One day, I'm taking my mom to the airport in the morning and I don't fully stop at a stop sign, I guess. Mm. Cop pulls me over. There's a warrant out for my arrest and I get arrested oh. in front of my mom. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh. This, I believe, I think this was in 2006 or 2007. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It was the exact same day that O.J. Simpson got arrested for, um, well, I think he's like stole something oh from one goodness. of the casinos yes. in Vegas. Yes. Yeah. It sure was. He was in the holding. He was in jail at the same time I was. It's funny. He was in the holding cell because the guys were on one side, the girls were on one side, and he was in there at the same time I was. Anyhow, oh yeah, goodness. so I ended up getting arrested because I listened to my, my dad did. And not to make my dad sound bad because he never he didn't have any cruel intentions to hurt anybody, which is why he wanted to get those titles from the corporations, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't thinking or, yeah, he just wasn't thinking straight, you know? He was a gambler and he was taking care of his health. But I was angry. I was so angry. And at the time, oh. he had gone to Iran to find his third wife, basically. So I'm sitting oh. in jail calling my brother while my dad's in Iran marrying his third wife. And I'm wow. in jail because of his stuff. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. You have gone through some movements in your life. So let's bring it forward a little bit. So because I see all the stuff that you do on social media and all the things that you've accomplished. So talk about... Let's talk about your business a little bit. Talk about what you do, what you specialize in, after, even after all of the stuff that you've gone through. Please talk about this. You, the floor is yours. Yeah. Well, you know, all that stuff I went through was basically to teach me how to do business and how to grow money and how to become the businesswoman that I needed to become. During that time mm-hmm. also, those were three-year lawsuits, basically, that I had to deal with with my dad and lost everything I ever had, like I couldn't even have a bank account for three years, you know? Like, mm. imagine not having a debit card or credit card. At that same right. time, I got my license and hung it up somewhere. Then I hung it up at another brokerage, worked with all the wrong people. The broker stole three, three of my commissions that closed around the same time, which added up to $283,000 at the time. It was mm-hmm. big commissions. Stole that. So I had another lawsuit with that. Oh. So I had three oh. lawsuits with within a three and a half year period and I was barely making any money and I was looking for attorneys. It was just the craziest time in my life. It was like, like, mm-hmm. you know, when they say when it rains, it pours, it was yes. like that and beyond. Cause I kept thinking like, why me? Why me? Why is all this happening? Who's going to like, ha- what do I do? Like I had nothing. I didn't have my dad anymore. My mom kept saying, move back to San Jose and you know, apply for a job for a company. And like, that's not me. I knew I couldn't do that. And that's, um, sorry to backtrack again, but I just want to say, I basically, 
that's what put me on the path to where I am today. Um, when you have like nobody and nothing, I don't know what came over me suddenly, um, but that, that's what put me on, I guess you can call the spiritual path. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was going through all that, I just, it was one book that changed my life at the time. It was Joel Osteen. I saw him on TV and I, I had no idea who he was. And I saw him on TV and he was mm-hmm. saying these words about, you know, planting the right seeds and doing the right thing and then the good will come out of it and staying positive and all this stuff. Stuff I'd never heard before. So I ended up getting his book and reading it and that just completely shifted and changed my energy basically. And after that, I got hundreds and hundreds of more books about how to become the right person and have the right mindset and all that stuff. And slowly, 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 it all shifted. It's like I got an attorney that was so angelic, like God sent. All the right people would appear and help me, and I slowly became that right person. And that's how I slowly built a solid foundation in my real estate business, basically. But I literally did it. I had to start from nothing, like below nothing, like ground level. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I did it, but I somehow <laughs> did it. And, I, and it was really by aligning myself with the higher power and just keep continue doing the right, right thing and being good to people and, and trying hard and never giving up. I never stopped trying to build basically for almost 13 years now. And now wow. I own him. Amazing property. story. Amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, when you're going through it, you're just like, it's like the hardest thing in the world. You never know. You don't know how you're going to get past that. Like, you know, like getting sued for $300,000. I'm like, how do we even get this for 300000 It's just crazy things were happening, you know? You don't think you're ever going to get through it, but you could. And there's always a way. And, like, miracles happen. You just have to. For me, it was aligning myself with a higher power. And that's when I really started believing in whatever you want to call it, God, universe, spirit, mm-hmm. angels, higher power, whatever. That's when I opened my eyes and started believing in it. And ha- that's. That was the faith that I, I was always having faith, but I really didn't know how or with what or what it really meant to believe until I really wow. got on the path and saw how the miracles would happen and things would appear. And yeah, so everything shifted yeah, you, that way slowly. It was a slow are, build. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it was a very slow build, but that's okay because that's what gives you that solid foundation because you don't want your foundation to break. And if you do one thing wrong or cheat people in any way or lie Mm -hmm. or whatever, then your, you know, your foundation will start crumbling. You, you want it to be solid and that takes time. Hey, it's called do right by people and slow and steady wins the race. That's what the the, the creed I kind of try to live by. So we have about yeah. five or so minutes left in the show. What I would like you to do is kind of tell everybody exactly what you do and how they can reach out to you. You know, I know you you oh, go out of you. Vegas, but you do some other stuff. And I want to talk about the awards you won last night. So if you can give us, uh-huh. just tell us where they can reach out to you and the things you do. That would be great. Yes. Um, well, I have a real estate brokerage in Las Vegas. So I work with a lot of buyers and sellers and investors from all over who want to buy and buy or sell in Vegas. Uh, the award I won last night was for best Las Vegas real estate realtor, uh, called the Silver State Awards. And it was actually a woman's award. So they were acknowledging women in leadership positions in Vegas who contribute and do good things within the community. Cause I, also use my business as a means to give back, 
which is what I learned when I lost everything and I had nothing. You know, I learned the power of giving back because people would show up and help me out. Like what I call them living angels. (laughs) They would help me out. And that's why as soon as I started making something, I was like, I need ways of giving back because I want to now help other people because I know what it feels like to need that help. Yes. I've also thrown anti-bullying events and um, do a lot of that stuff and help with Make-A-Wish and, you know, things that I feel have, have felt myself that's why I like I like mm. to be involved in those things because I know what that pain feels like so I like to yes. comfort and try to heal those people yeah and uh, you Link. can find me I guess if you want me to say my website mm. is com, m-a-h-s-h-e-e-d dot com and that has all my info and my social media links and stuff so gotcha and wants. I will sh- and I will share that with everybody <laughs> uh, once the replay is up later in the show so we have just two minutes left I would like for you to do me mm-hmm. a favor and because everybody has heard your f- fantastic story and you know I'm tipping my cap to you just take a minute and just maybe leave a positive message to those who have gone what you go through what would you say to people that are, that went through what you went through just take a minute here and just say something to the my movement audience if you don't mind um, people that went through what I went through or people that are going through well just people that are just going through anything just what would you say to them to try to yeah. encourage them you know I it's incredible, like everything, everything you can, you can, you want in life and you dream of and you want to happen and you want to create, it really all stems from you. It's all working on you. It's all the work that you do on your mind and your body, on your soul. And it, it sounds cheesy, but really that's all it is. is the better you become, the more you master your mind and yourself and be so good the easier everything it is that you dream of will actually happen, will appear for you. It, it's all self-work, you know? That, that's really all it is, working on being the best you can be. And all the other stuff happens so much more magically and easily. And it's like they happen in a very meant-to-be way when yes. you're centered and aligned. And yes. working on healing yourself, basically, and making yourself better. Yeah. I guess I want everybody to know the power is all within you. Wow. And that's why this episode is called the heart of Mashid. She was my guest and she is my friend. She was on the movement today. (laughs) Mashid, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Thank you for sharing the movement that you went through and thank you for joining my show today. I really appreciate it. Shannon, I appreciate it. And it's been an honor to have, me on your show um i appreciate that so much and i hope you have a great christmas and an incredible new year uh may next year everything for you be better and better and better and i'm sure it will you're incredible and your energy is incredible and you're so good to people so you deserve all the best thank you my friend i appreciate it that is it join me next week for my final episode of 2018 sandy cesare will share her incredible story as well You heard her movement today. You listened to ours today. Go out and start yours. Thank you very much. See you all next week. Thank you for joining us for The Movement. Your host, Shannon D. Hughes, invites you to tune in again for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 